find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Nicole. And you're listening to Buzz Killers, a proud podcast of the Podmoth Media Network. Claps for Macy. <laughs> we have a we have a system. If I forget to say it, Nicole will always say it. Because <laughs> it's my job, but sometimes I forget. <sighs> I'm just too excited. Hot, so excited. And I just, just can't, can't hide, hide it. it. Mm. Snapped into the microphone. I hope they could hear that. <laughs> snaps. Snaps. Hey. Oh. Hey, guys. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of Australian True Crime. Yes. Month. I'm excited about this one. I am afraid of this one. I'm a little afraid. I've heard some Australian cr- true crime that really fucks with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that late. We talked about it the last time. The lady. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I'm not doing that one. I'm going to choose a different one. I promise. I was saying, I don't know if I'm going to do that one. I haven't decided yet. I've heard so many podcasts do it. I want to do like something. I don't know. I like well, researching. I mean, we'll cover it eventually. But, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I like to, I like to hit the different cases first. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I like, I've never heard it. It's like all new information to me. Okay. I love it. Ooh, anyway, I'm me. so excited about this month. I'm so excited. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to keep singing. Um, Guys, it's March. No. I feel like it's March. It's been two years. Since what? The pandemic. Oh, 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 yes. I'm just so like... <laughs> It's like not. It's like a total norm now. It's like what? Yeah, this this thing that we've been in for two years. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like just just like blows my mind. That like I I was thinking about that and I said to Ryan the other day and I was like, do you realize that two thirds of our relationship has been COVID? Shit. Yep. Because we started dating in April, and then by March of the next year, it was COVID. Shit. Yeah. So. There's that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with this, but there's that fun fact. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, I spent my honeymoon, my not my honeymoon. What am I talking about? My anniversary inside that one time. (laughs) 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 That's really the only thing that fucked up. I was going to say, all I get to say is that I spent. New Year's for 2021 and my 26th birthday in quarantine. <laughs> yep. Yep. We didn't get to do nothing. <laughs> Thankfully, this year I actually got to celebrate my birthday. Huzzah! Huzzah! Well, we so did technically fun. get to celebrate my birthday because you threw me a birthday party like six months later in the middle of July. Yes, I did. <laughs> it was a great idea. I got a half birthday birthday party because... I never my sang. Bu- I really wanted. I didn't know when you were coming over. I really wanted to put on that song from um, Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland, where he's like a very merry on birthday to you, oh. to me. 
a very merry birthday. I was going to like play it. I was so excited. And, then, so and then you just walked in and you were like, all right. I was so frustrated <laughs> when so I walked through the door because Orion was trying to just get me to go inside. <laughs> and I'm just thinking it's like a 4th of July party. And because my half birthday is the 4th of July. So <laughs> I like I was getting really frustrated because we had all this stuff in the car and he wouldn't let me carry any of it. I was like, you need my help. Like, like, let me fucking hold this. And he kept taking things from me. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm just trying to help you. And he was like, just go inside. And I was like, fucking fine. So I like stormed through the front door to like <laughs> all of the family and friends being like, surprise and I was like oh god <laughs> <laughs> I uh, fucked up <laughs> oh. let me just go back out on that again <laughs> uh, I'll go back out and come again <laughs> and like the whole day I kept going it is your birthday do you remember that <laughs> I do. like anytime like <laughs> it was just like the office like it is your birthday it is your period. birthday oh no that was what I kept doing it is your birthday period <laughs> <laughs> oh man i thought that was hilarious all oh, day long it was great honestly it was great yeah, slip and slide it was fun we did have a slip and slide that was all it me. was amazing and a trampoline i turned 27 or i turned 26 at least at that point 26 and a half now yeah. i'm 27 yeah, <laughs> but yeah, 26 and a half. it was 26 and a half and i spent my entire day on a slip and slide and a trampoline that yeah yeah the trampoline tyler was always reminds me of the trampoline beautiful. <laughs> oh anyway but wow yeah, that was our covid well we were in COVID. our like our whole friendship has been covid yes it has been it doesn't bother me that's what happens when you move in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) (laughs) you meet one person and they become your best friend (laughs) Uh, and you're like "Mm, you're my friend now (laughs) that's it um yeah so What uh, are we drinking, Nicole? Crazy times. Crazy times. <laughs> Still crazy times. Yes. Um, yes. But this week, we are drinking a wine by First Press, and it is called a Blood Orange Rosé. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry your earballs had to experience that. Um <laughs> So, Blood Orange Rosé is a perfect wine to beat the summer heat as well as enjoy year-round. A deliciously fresh and vibrant wine characterized by natural blood orange flavors that are refreshingly crisp, lively, and well-balanced. Nice. There we go. I'm excited. We just got a follower on Instagram, by the way, as I was (gasps) reading that. We did? (laughs) Yes. Let me see. Wow. Blair Craterman, hello. Welcome (laughs) to Buzzkillers. (laughs) I really hope that it's not like, oh no, they look like a real person and not just like a business account. We get followed by a lot of podcasts. Yeah, but yeah. This looks like an actual person. Hello, Blair. Yay! You have good timing, so you get a <laughs> shout out. <laughs> <laughs> While we're recording. Literally, it's in the middle of reading that, and I was like, why am I getting a notification? Oh, it's the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the podcast. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we're good. Okay, I'm ready to try it. Where did my timer go? I can't tell if it smells like like bathroom cleaner. It does because a lot of bathroom bathroom cleaners are citrus flavored is that flavored (laughs) (laughs) scented oh my god don't eat your bathroom cleaners (laughs) no 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 don't be like the generation below us don't (laughs) eat tide pods don't eat tide pods they're toxic (laughs) oh man okay okay let's try it (laughs) i'm laughing too hard (laughs) oh 
Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It literally tastes like the cleaner. It tastes like the cleaner smells. <laughs> oh, this is... It tastes like the cleaner smells. But have you ever done that, though? You've eaten something and been like, why does this taste like this smells? I have absolutely done that. You have? Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say not. I was going to be like, no, no don't tell I me I'm crazy. No, I absolutely have done that. And Tyler is like, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm so glad I'm not alone on that. No, I'm literally like, this tastes the way that this like smells. Yes. Right? And Tyler's like, huh? What does that mean? <laughs> but no, that's seriously like, that's. We could. Oh. Let's try it again. No. No. That sends the worst taste up my mouth and like up my nose. I don't. I feel like it doesn't even taste like oranges. I feel like it tastes like grapefruit and I hate grapefruit. I was going to say, I, the aftertaste of what is literally just orange is good. That's what I like. That's it. Ah. After I've swallowed and like I let it settle for a minute. Oh, this is not very good. What do you, what are your mouth feels? Um. Am, am I am I allowed to zero it because I I don't want this. <laughs> We've zeroed things before. What do you what do we what do we want then? Oh god. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just staring at my glass going, "Oh god, please don't make me drink anymore." I feel like I need to take another sip because I feel like I, I feel like I've lied to myself. Nope. Oh, I really don't like it. Mm. I'd maybe give it like a 2. Oh, I'm giving it a one. I'm giving it a solid one. Okay. All right. Um, hold on, people. We're gonna go. I'm gonna go get us something else to drink. Three out of ten. <laughs> okay, <sighs> we're back. That was a. Uh, that was an adventure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, that was um, three out of ten mouthfeels. Yeah, we don't like it. We did not like it. We very much went downstairs, and Macy made us a mixer. <laughs> I don't know if this is any good either, but I mean, it's just vodka and pineapple juice much better <laughs> i mean it's what still it weird but like? it's better that reminds me of something it's pink lemonade vodka Ooh, it tastes like a popsicle like mm. the yellow part of the popsicle yeah mm-hmm. it's really good this is significantly better yay guys <laughs> don't buy blood orange just go make yourself a mixer i'm a mixologist <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I learned today on TikTok that the spoon with the spirally thing on it. You you like pour stuff down it, right? Yeah, because I sent you a TikTok, didn't I? No, but I just knew that. Oh. (laughs) I've seen people do it. That's the only reason I know. Because otherwise. I saw it on TikTok. And I sent it to you because I thought it was so cool. (laughs) I've seen people do it before. Forget that you worked in a restaurant. I'm like the only one who hasn't. My aunt is very good at making drinks. Very good. That would be so fun. There's also, a bartender? T- there's also times where she's just like, here's tequila on the rocks. And I'm like, Auntie Terry, I'm going to die. <laughs> I, will never, <laughs> I will never, ever, ever, ever have a shot of tequila again. I think I, she gave that to me Yuck. once. And I don't remember why. I don't remember wh- what made us do that. But she's like, yeah, here. She drinks it like water. And I was like. God, I am not that kind of champ. Oh, my God. I like I was taking like the baby sips. I was like, mm. it took me like 20 <laughs> years to finish a glass. I was like, I'm going to die right now. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. 
Okay. But anyway. Now we have a popsicle-like drink. Yes, we do. Because <laughs> we're babies. Um, no, we're not babies. That was gross. I really um, didn't like <laughs> it. And Ryan said the same thing. It tasted exactly like grapefruit. Mm-hmm. And I hate grapefruit. I hate it. Which is weird. I don't like it. I just don't like it. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't good. Nope. Sorry. Okay. So, but moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Macy. Yeah. What is our first case of Australian month? I don't know why I started talking with a British accent. That's just totally off off the no. theme. Anyway. That's not on brand. <laughs> That's not on brand. My brand. My brand. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> we are coming out the gate here strong. This one's weird. Oh, no. It's very strange. It kind of reminds me of, like, the Daniel LaPlante stuff. Really? I think you'll understand once I tell you what I tell you. It's not a, I think you'll understand once I, once I tell you, but it like, it's like that, like obsessive vibe. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, like you, mm-hmm. like the TV show you. Oh, kind see, of I've, vibe. I've never watched that yet. I know, but like you get like, you, you know enough about it to know that he's like, mm-hmm. I want to read the book. Oh, I've heard it's good. I've heard it's really but good. But I think it, I just, does the show go like past the book? I'm not positive. Cause see, I've never, I've that. never watched it, so I, I, I hate when shows do that. Like, like Game of Thrones did it. Like he they never, even, like he extend. hadn't even finished the series, and like they basically were like, oh, this is what happens, and you were like, what? So the book just doesn't match the series. There is no book. Oh, there he, was no he, book. He didn't write any more, so the the show is just like we're gonna make it. Yeah, that's lame. He like wasn't finished, <laughs> and he so he like kind of told them what would happen, and they like wrote the screenplay, and he was like, okay. That's dumb. Yeah, I didn't like it. Anyway. Okay. I've never seen okay. it. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> we are talking about the tragic murder of Rachel Barber. So Rachel Barber was born on September 12th of 1983. At the time when all of this occurred, uh, she was 15 years old. Her parents were Michael and Elizabeth Barber. And she had two sisters, Ashley, Rose, and Heather. I got differing accounts of who was the younger sister one thing i read said it was heather the other one i read said it was ashley so gotcha she has sisters (laughs) (laughs) she had two sisters she had two sisters these were their names (laughs) yes um all three daughters like developed a love for the arts really early on um elizabeth barber said that when um she was pregnant with rachel she would put classical music up to her her belly and like headphones and she would dance and so um so she was super talented, her mother felt, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, all the daughters developed a love for the arts. It was in, a fa- in the family. I listened to a, um, a podcast called Case File for this. Awesome podcast. Shout out to them. He mentioned that um, the family had, like, the extended family. Mm-hmm. Had a children's author, photographer, artist, toy maker, and designer, like all within that family. Wow, they're like all super art oriented, super left brained family. Yes, yes. Um, Rachel was ambitious, fun loving. Um, she marched to the marched to the beat of her own drum. She was pretty popular, but she was also shy and reserved, especially around people she didn't know. Not um, me. <laughs> she directed um, and choreographed performances for her and her sisters. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Um, in 1992, the family relocated to Mount Albert, um, and this is where um, Rachel enrolled in the Melbourne Dance Academy. 
Um, she would practice her routines in the hallways at school during lunch. She was super into classical ballet, <laughs> just really only wanted to dance. And Aww. there was an article that said that like she danced, she lived to dance and she danced to live. Aww. I'm sorry. I don't remember who that was, but like just check my show notes. It's in one of them. So that's so it's not for me. Um, it was sweet. Um, so at 14, she was actually very beautiful as well. Um, she enrolled in a two week modeling course. Mm-hmm. People said that she was naturally beautiful. She was tall and slimmed. Um, a couple of articles described her as Elvin featured. Interesting. Um, she was featured in life and style magazine. She was like, wow, beautiful girl. Um, and her parents, she finally convinced her parents to let her leave conventional school and go to a um, performing arts school so she could per- pursue a career in dance um, because she wasn't even doing very well in normal school. Mm-hmm. She like really wanted to be doing what she loved. And I like I applaud that for parents like. To listen to your child and let them, yeah. let them live their dream. Yeah, like, that's, like okay, that's maybe that's I'll really hire cool. you a tutor to get this other stuff because mm-hmm. I feel like that's important. But, like, yes. But, yeah. I'd make it work. Um, So her family en- enrolled her as a full-time student at the Dance Factory. It was a performing arts school in Rich- Richmond, Melbourne, Australia. Um, She had plans when she grew up to own her own studio. She dreamed of starring in a Broadway musical, and some of her favorites were Cats in Chicago. Aww. Just like a very sweet yeah. 15-year-old girl. She sounds, she sounds like somebody I would have been friends with. <laughs> yeah. So on March 1st of 1999, Rachel's father, Michael, dropped her off at the tram station near their home around 9.30 a.m. She met up with her boyfriend, Emmanuel Carella. He goes by Manny, and that's what I'll call him for the rest of this. He was 16. And his brother, Dominic, and she met them for breakfast. All of the th- all three of them went to the dance factory around 10.15 for classes, which was on Church Street in Richmond, Richmond Melbourne. Uh, all day long, Rachel was telling Manny how she was going to a secret job after school. Um, she said she would make a lot of money. But she oh refused no. to tell him about it or where it was. And she said she was not allowed to tell him or her parents about it. No. Um, she said she was going to meet an old friend who had offered her a job. Um, and she was really excited because she had seen a pair of shoes in a storefront. And they were like $100. And she really wanted them. So she was excited to earn some money. Oh. Um, oh girl, there was a giant wet red flag waved. You should have you should have listened to it. Um, this is a direct quote from the Herald Sun. Manny said in a police statement, I questioned her about this and she told me not to worry about it. It was strange that she was so secretive about it. Yeah, that is that's bizarre to me. She, she um so she left the dance factory um around five thirty five with a few of her friends and Manny. Um they all headed toward her normal tram stop with uh, but re- but then at like once she kind of got there, she revealed that she would be taking another tram home that was further down the road to meet her dad. Um, a friend offered to walk Rachel there, but she told her no. And Ra- Rachel separated from the group around 545 after making plans to meet her friends the following morning for breakfast. Oh. Um, 
She had a plan, like I said, to meet her father at the tram station near their home at 6.15. And around 7.40 p.m., mm-hmm. uh, Michael Barber calls the Barber home from his parents' house and tells his wife, Elizabeth, that Rachel had not shown up to the tram station. Uh. He said that he stayed at the tram station for about an hour from 6.10 on, but Rachel never showed up. Oh, um, no. This is in the era before everybody having cell phones. Mm -hmm. So he went to his parents' house that was that was closer and called Elizabeth to see if maybe she knew where Rachel was. Um they talked for a second and thought maybe um Rachel had gotten off at another tram stop. They the parents took turns picking her up, mm-hmm. so her mother would sometimes pick her up from another tram, a different tram. Oh. but it was two times a week, so she, they thought, oh well, maybe she got her days mixed up. And they headed over, or Michael headed over to that tram station to see if she was there, and she was not. No. Um, her parents then called the Box Hill Police Department to report her missing, um, and. They told the police that it was uncharacteristic for Rachel to be so late yeah. without contacting them. Um, they told police that she was afraid of the dark and was nervous about walking from the tram stop home, especially at night. Um, and uh, according to the Case File podcast, she had, I didn't find this anywhere else. I just want to. Mm-hmm. Um, she had once been followed to a local shop from the tram stop by a group of men. Oh, so I'd be afraid too. Yeah. Um, and she was like, like I said before, shy mm-hmm. and was not likely to ask a stranger for directions if she got lost. Yeah. Um, the police did not take them seriously um, and told them ba- the basic statistics. You know, they usually come back. It's runaways. Yada, yada, yada. Runaways. Yeah, they were like, oh, you know, maybe she was just late or, you know, maybe she's run away or like, you know, usually these things like they clear up within 48 hours is basically what they said. Yeah. Or in 48 hours, she's dead. Um, Fuckers. Elizabeth immediately contacted Rachel's boyfriend, Manny, to see if he knew where she was. Um, He could not account for where she was at that moment, but he did tell her parents about seeing her at around... 5.35, and told them about her secret job. Good. Um, and then they contacted her friends and teachers to find out what the job the job might have been. None of them knew. Oh, God. Hmm. Um, at 8.45, did I say they went to the police station? No, I, you said they called. They called. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Macy, he's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes when I edit, I, like, won't take things, like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, but this should go down here. And I'll, like, copy it, but I'll never delete it. Yep. And so then I'll read it again. I'm like, wait, what? Why did I put that twice? Yeah, why did I put that twice? <laughs> um, so at 8.45 p.m., Michael Barber went to the police station in Box Hill to file an official police report. Good. Um, police did not want to start an investigation because they were sure she'd show up. Assholes. And all night... Michael and Elizabeth drove around Melbourne looking for Rachel. Oh, no. Um, on Tuesday, March 2nd of 1999, the bar- the Barbers went back to the police department. Um, and the police had done absolutely nothing 
in the time where they filed her <sighs> missing persons report until then to look for her or find her. Take people seriously. Um, Fuck. Christ. The Barbers went to the dance factory to speak with her friends and teachers, but nobody knew what was going on. Um, they went to the shop where the shoes were. Um, and the clerks said that Rachel had been there the day before with Manny. Yeah. And had asked to have the shoes set aside for her to pick up the next day. But she had, hadn't come to get them. And she wanted those shoes. Yeah. Um, they then went to the Richmond police station. And both of these police stations are within, like, the Victoria, the Victoria police force. Okay. So, like, they're smaller, like, county... Okay. Like our town police departments within this larger area. Gotcha. Um, they went to the Richmond Police Department to report her missing. And at this point, her teachers have already started, like, calling and saying, like, the police and saying, like, this kid didn't show up for class. Like, yeah. Like, people are starting to notice, like, she's not there. Um, and the Richmond police told them that since they had originally reported her missing at Box Hill, that they... Could not do anything. Can I be like, can I withdraw this report? I need to go make it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Please get rid of this. I'm going to go file it elsewhere. Um, friends and family started hanging up missing posters in the area. And on the third day after Rachel's disappearance, the Box Hill police, um, the Box Hill police informed her parents that they would go to the dance factory to speak with her friends and with her friends and the faculty there. And they never fucking showed up. Are you serious? If I found out that they, I would be at the police station. Yeah. I didn't, I wouldn't care if it was fucking midnight. I'd be at the police station being like, you said you were going to do this. Why didn't you go talk to her friends and her teachers? Are you ever going to even try to find my daughter and take this seriously? Well, they continue to botch this. Oh my God. Because eventually her parents went back to the Box Hill police department. They still had not done anything. And they told them to check under their house they said oh she might have come home but's too afraid to come inside check into under the house she might be there they did it because they were desperate but like what the fuck my daughter is missing and your police advice is to check underneath my, my house. house i'm sorry sir please take me seriously my daughter's not under my fucking house do your job yeah they eventually questioned Manny. Eventually. And they had theories that maybe she had gotten pregnant and run away or like Manny had gotten upset when he got the news and everybody was like, no. Like, we're literally saying that she went to like a secret job. She like told multiple people that she was going to the secret job. But like she literally said, like, I'm going to go make a shit ton of money at a secret job. I can't tell you anything about. And they're like, they're like, oh, did you kill your girlfriend? No, nah, she's she's under the house. <laughs> she's she's under the house but she she went here no she's under the house okay like <laughs> so it would be 11 days before investigators received another tip about rachel's whereabouts 11 days a witness oh. reported that she had seen rachel with an unknown unknown woman on a tram and they both got off together around 6 40 and this person was Allison Guberick. She was the older sister of one of Rachel's friends. Mm -hmm. um, 
Allison went to the police after she saw a missing poster with Rachel's face on it and was like, so I didn't know this was happening. I saw her. Yeah. Um, she reported that she had seen Rachel with an unknown woman on the number six tram to, oh, I'm sorry, Praran. Paran? I'm sorry. Spell it. P-R-A-H-R-A-N. Paran? Priam. Priam. Praran. I don't know. I'm so sorry. I apologize to everyone Maybe from I Australia. Maybe I spelled it wrong. It's possible I spelled it wrong. Um. Anyway, I'm really sorry. Hey, everyone. My name is Eddie, producer, legend, and host of my Crunchy podcast over on the PodMoth Media Network. If you're looking for something chaotic, somewhat messy, and very incomprehensible, then go stream my Crunchy podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So stop searching and start listening to all your new faves from the Pod Moth Media Network team now. We looked it up. It's Paran. <laughs> We're sorry to everyone <laughs> in Australia that's just like, God fucking damn it. I was, I'm so stupid. I'm so sorry. Okay. So she saw them on the number six tram to Paran and they both got off together around 640 at the stop at the intersection of High Street and Williams Road. Oh, God bless you. Jeez. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, this, this. Sorry. I was like, what did I say? <laughs> this incident, her seeing them on the tram. Mm hmm caught Allison's attention because she had not seen Rachel on that tram before. Okay. So like, that's why she noticed. Yeah. She that was, she, she, she that's was unusual. Like, she was like, Oh, Rachel's on the tram. Like, hmm, yeah. Weird. She said, quote, and this is from the Herald sun. I remember Rachel looking quite beautiful and that she was striking in contrast with this other girl who was plain looking. Oh, that's, that's a little mean. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're going to get to that. Oh, um, no. Okay. She said um, that Rachel and the unknown female seemed friendly. And she overheard Rachel talking to this woman about Manny and about a kitten that the family had discussed adopting. Oh. Um, Allison actually helped the police compile a computer face image of the girl that she saw. Oh, cool. Good. Um, and this is when the police were finally ready to make a public appeal for info. Oh, fucking Christ. It took this. And the missing persons unit finally took control of the case. It was only local PD up until that point. I. Oh, this hurts. Okay, go ahead. The sketch of the unknown woman was shown to the barbers, but they did not recognize the person. Okay. Um. But the barbers had given the police multiple lists of people who had known associations with Rachel, like everyone that they could think of. Yeah. That might know where she was. Um, one of the lists that they gave had the name Caroline Reed Robinson on it. Um, the barbers, the barber family mm -hmm. and the Robinson family had met in 1992 when the family had moved to Mont Albert. Um, and Caroline had always seemed to favor Rachel, liked her. Yeah. Um, Rachel's sister, one of Rachel's sisters, the, I think it was the younger one, was also close friends with 
Caroline's younger sister. Um, and Caroline often babysat them. Um, but they had all since moved away and kind of lost touch. Um, but she lived in the area. Yeah. Um, she did look similar to the sketch. Uh-oh. And her apartment was in Paran. Oh. Uh, at the time, she was working as a sales coordinator for a telecommunication com- company on St. Kilda Street, which was also close. Um, Elizabeth told police at this time that in 1998, Rachel had gotten a call from Caroline who told her that she knew someone who might be able to get her paid modeling work. Um, as far as she knew, nothing had come of the phone call, but Rachel had seemed excited about it. Oh, uh, no. And on March 7th of 1999, six days after Rachel disappeared, Caroline called the barber home around 9.15 a.m. to talk to them about it, about her disappearance. That's rent. That's oh, you've inserted yourself. You fucked up. Police obtained <sighs> phone records from the barber home and discovered that she had been speaking with Caroline Reed Robinson, who Uh-oh. was 19 years old at the time. Caroline's 19. Rachel's 15. Uh huh. Um, there were two calls from Caroline's number mm-hmm. on Sunday, February 28th, 1999. One 15-minute call at 524 that lasted 29 minutes. And a, um, oh, wait, wait, sorry. One 15-minute call at 524 and one 29-minute call at 545. Rachel had answered both of these calls and seemed very excited and animated while on the phone. Oh, no. Elizabeth thought that she was talking to Manny. Uh, um, police went to Caroline's work, um, but discovered that Caroline had called out sick that day and had called out sick, sick, sorry, sick several times over the last week and a half. Oh, no. This was unusual to her coworkers Mm -hmm. because she normally did not take sick days. Uh, the first call in was on March 1st, which was the night that Rachel went missing. Yep. Um, she returned to work the next day on the 2nd, but left a few hours into work saying she still did not feel well. Um, her neighbor actually told police that he was awakened in the early morning hours of March 2nd by the sounds of a loud tantrum. What? Uh, Caroline's father had also come to her flat on March 2nd to check on her after hearing that she was sick. And noted that the entire time he was there that Caroline kept the door to her bedroom closed. And he said, I did read in a couple articles that, um, that like he had attempted to go in there or something and she closed the door. But interesting. I'm not really sure what's, she kept the door. She did not want him in there. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Um, she also made several calls to a coworker asking for $320 that she had loaned them so that she could move some furniture. She told the coworker that she had an appointment with the moving company the next day. And records That's so random. And records did show that she had booked a moving truck and a driver because Caroline did not have a driver's license so she could not take herself. 
Oh. Um, she <laughs> called in again on the third, and finally went back to work on the fourth. Um, and she discussed Rachel's disappearance with several of her coworkers, saying, um, that Rachel she knew Rachel and she would often run away. Oh God, this girl not helping herself at all. On March um. 11th and 12th, Caroline called out sick again and left messages for her supervisor who called her back but got no answer. Um, and on March 12th, around 9 a.m., the police finally went to Caroline's apartment. Good. Jesus. Um, long enough. Police just thought that Rachel was hiding out there or that Caroline might knew, know how to find her. Yeah. Um, they knocked several times, but no one answered, and so they left. But they came back at 5.30 that same day. They thought maybe she'd gone to work or something. But yeah. then her boss was like, no, she's not here. But they went back. Still got no answer. They obtained an, a key from the apartment complex. But they were unable to unlock the door because it was dead bolted from the inside. So somebody was clearly in there. Um, this is when they finally went through um, an open window in the bedroom to, get in, to gain access to mm. the apartment. Um, and they found Caroline lying face down on her bedroom floor having an epileptic fit. She oh. D- she did have epilepsy. Um, sorry. Where was I? Boop, 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 boop. Okay. She was alive but unresponsive, so she was taken to the hospital. Oh, Jesus. Okay. This is when police did a preliminary search of the home, looking for any sign of Rachel, that she was there, hiding out there, like had been shoe, there, yeah. anything. Um, the apartment was extremely messy and it had moving boxes everywhere um there were two partially eaten pizzas found and full bottles of alcohol mm-hmm. um and a bag of size eight clothes that were too small for caroline were found in the home uh-oh and these were later determined to be caroline's cl- or sorry rachel's clothes uh oh. Um. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like having a hard time reading this. Okay. Police are like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. And so they go to the hospital. She's finally woken up. Um, and when they asked her, "Where's Rachel?" She claimed that Rachel was dead. And when they oh, said, uh. "Are you sure?" She responded, and I quote, yes, I've buried her. Oh, you you didn't even, you didn't even try. She told them she hid Rachel's body in her apartment for two days after murdering her and buried her on her father's farm, which was approximately 37 miles north north of Melbourne. She just gave all this up. She then claimed she didn't remember anything else. And wouldn't answer further questions. Oh, my God. Two of her neighbors or two of the neighbors around her father's farm confirmed that they saw Caroline arrive at the farm on March 3rd in a moving truck. She pulled a bag into a wooded area on the property and left. This girl is stupid. Police immediately went to the farm. I read an article that said that she like showed them where the body was, but I don't. But then I read other articles that said they like found it. I think they. 
Okay. I don't know why. I mean, maybe uh, get anybody from Australia. If I'm wrong, please tell me. Like, maybe I didn't understand something. Also, but, um, you, you know, just maybe don't do shit in the daylight, you fuck nut. So, um, they found Rachel at the farm, um, wrapped in two blankets in a army bag, um, with a makeshift garrote made out of a phone cord. Oh, no. Um, she was buried in a shallow grave next to Caroline's deceased dog, Lucy. Are you fucking kidding me? You can literally see pictures of this. There are crime scene photos of the of the dog grave. That's really, really fucked. Autopsy results revealed that Rachel had been given an antihistamine prior to her murder, <clears throat> which impaired her alertness. Mm-hmm. In the home... Upon further investigation. Oh, no. The police found a diary. Oh, these are going to be fun. That told a very different story than what Caroline claimed. Caroline had babysat the Barbara children for five years. Mm -hmm. And during this time, she had become very jealous of Rachel's popularity, beauty, and, quote, perfect life. She called her white picket fence. Oh, my God. She's four years younger than you. She was a fucking child. There were pages in this diary filled with obsessive ramblings about Rachel. There were hate lists, notes about Rachel and her family, her personality, her likes and dislikes. Oh, my God. She had basically done like a psychological profile of this girl in her diary. That's really bizarre. Um, she had begun stalking her before befriending her. Oh, my God. Um, and had used her sister's relationship with the younger sister Mm -hmm. to kind of, like, gain the family's trust. Oh, my God. So she was, like, already obsessed with this girl before being. Yeah. Like, it was very weird. One of the entries said, and this is from the medium.com, and I quote, strikingly attractive dancer's body. Very clear, pale skin. Hypnotic green eyes. That was a, her describing Rachel. Sounds like she's in love with her. She expressed a desire to uh, switch places with Rachel. And in this diary, left a very detailed plot that she had created to oh, no. murder her and assume her identity. I... Okay. There was even an application for Rachel's birth certificate found at the apartment half filled out. Are you serious? She had asked one of her sisters, Rachel's sisters, for her birthday so she could fill out the application. What the fuck? And she had set up a P.O. box so that she could receive mail confidentially. Oh, my God. Um... She also planned to take out a 100 or sorry, to take out a $10,000 bank loan, change her name to Jem Southall and flee to Byron Bay. Oh, wow. Southall? Yeah. Was Elizabeth Barber's maiden name. This girl is psychotic. They, all th- they also found evidence that she um, was possibly planning to go through some sort of cosmetic surgery. Cosmetic enhancement. Oh, my God. Um, 
She'd already put in an application for the loan and had told the bank that it was urgent because she was getting a car. But she had no driver's license. (laughs) There were also pages where she wrote how she truly felt about herself. Oh, no. In these pages, she wrote, quote, words such as loser, unwanted, dirty, obese, funny in the head. And these words were written next to a self-portrait. Oh. She had um, drawn of herself at 14 years old that was not flattering. Like monsters. Oh. Like she's like drawing like... Like, that's what she thought that's of herself. That's so sad. Um, there were many pictures drawn like that. She also wrote things like social fa- failure. Oh. She shared her fears of failing at achieving her dream of becoming an actress. She made multiple, and, and also made multiple comments about um, hating her life and appearance. She also called herself pizza face. Oh, that's sad. She would, I, what she did is so fucked and so wrong, but God, that's a, that's, that's She sad. would also write letters to her estranged father, and these letters um, discussed how she despised her life and how she felt worthless. One of them said, quote, I feel like a troubled, tortured, lost soul that's been thrown into an alien environment full of angels. I don't know how I've lasted this long. My life sucks. Damn. And no one was getting her help. Apparently, see, like, apparently her family life was very like emotionally abusive as well. Her parents got divorced. Okay. There was like issues there. Got it. But like she wasn't getting proper treatment. Was she was having say. depressive episodes and wasn't being treated for it. There are things that could have been done possibly to fix this had people i was gonna say if she just you know had someone to talk to who knows the difference that could have been made that's that's a sad that's sad life so this is the timeline of events that day from her diary entries and the evidence okay caroline had called rachel days before the murder and asked her to participate in a confidential university study for a hundred dollars the price of her shoes uh, and she asked Rachel to be keep it a secret. Um, I'm gonna read in a little minute, and uh, in a minute, her um, some of her diary entries about this. Okay. Um, after Rachel left class on March 1st, she met Caroline at the Paran. I said it right, right? Paran. Yeah. Aha! The Paran tram station. Um, Caroline then lured her to her second floor apartment on Trinian Street in Paran. A, Mel- a suburb of Melbourne, a suburb of Melbourne. Sorry, mm-hmm. she ordered pizza, which she laced with what she called drowsy powder, <sighs> the antihistamine. Yeah. Um, she then can. Uh, so she tried to give her alcohol, which is why she had full bottles of alcohol, but Rachel said no, and then convinced Rachel to do some meditation before the study and told her to think about quote happy and pleasant things oh my god when she fell asleep from the meditation she strangled her with the phone cord and hid her body in the closet 
Jesus Christ. Two days after the murder, she took Rachel's body to her father's farm and buried her in a shallow grave next to her deceased dog, Lucy. She took a moving truck with Rachel's body wrapped in two blankets and placed in an army bag and told the driver she was moving a statue. He helped her load it into the car. Uh, a statue. I, I rented this moving truck to move this singular statue. Yeah. I'd be like, I need to see that. Open the bag. <laughs> this is one of her uh, diary entries. And this is from um, a direct quote from MamaMia.com, but it is evidence as well. On the way to dance school, say that she can't tell anyone that she's meeting me as I'm not allowed to give the study results to anyone. Ethics. Highly confidential. Not even your boyfriend slash parent. Drug Rachel. Toxic over mouth. Put body into army bags and disfigure and dump somewhere. Way out. No car. Oh my. Here's another one from the Herald Sun. Check farm, including bag. Tuesday arrange bank loan. Moving van. Night to disguise hair. Thoroughly clean house and steam clean carpet. And there had been hair dye found at the apartment when the police found her. Oh no. Idiot. Um, on March 13th of 1999, mm-hmm. police formally charged Caroline with the murder of Rachel. And her first court appearance was on the 15th of March. Mm -hmm. She did not apply for bail or enter a plea. And she rocked back and forth as her lawyer spoke for her. Oh, no. The lawyer said that Caroline only remembered remembered inviting Rachel to her apartment and eating pizza. She did not remember the murder and admitted to disposing of Rachel's body, but said she had the assistance of two men whom she could not identify. Of course she can't identify them because they don't exist. <laughs> um, Rachel's funeral was on March 24th no. of 1999 at St. Mary's Anglican Church. 850 people attended. Oh. And she had been a member of the youth group and the choir at that church. No. Um, following Rachel's murder, a clause was added to the Victoria Police Force Manual. That stated that local level officers must be sensitive to the needs of families and keep them informed in all aspects of their investigations during these types of cases. I'm glad at least something good came out of it on that end because God damn it. Yeah. Caroline's trial. Excuse me. Caroline. <laughs> Hair in my mouth. <laughs> began on in October of 2000. Mm-hmm. She pled guilty. Oh, to Rachel's murder. She told the court and and the, I mean honestly, this saved her parents from going the, through all of that. The trial, the, and trial. the fight and everything. Um, she told the court she lived a friendless and despondent life and saw Rachel as perfect and pure, everything she wasn't. She maintained that she had amnesia about the details of the murder, but they had her diary. Yep. So it doesn't matter, honey. You can forget all you want. You wrote it the fuck down. Dr. Michael Crudson, Caroline's uh, psychologist in prison, said that there was a point in time where Caroline questioned whether she was doing the right thing. And this is from MamaMia.com. It's a direct quote um, from from him, from this doctor at the trial. There is a poignant and disturbing moment in which Rachel Barber's fate seemed to waver in the balance. 
Caroline told me that she had been in a daze. Then just for a moment, the veil lifted and I didn't want to do it. But something said that I was in so much trouble now. I had to. And it was though the fail and it was though the veil had dropped again. Jesus. Prosecutor Jeremy Rapke <laughs> said that the motive for care um the motive was Caroline's quote obsession with Rachel, her jealousy of her attractiveness, popularity, and success, and perhaps a desire on her part to emulate the success of a younger person with whom she had become infatuated. Um and that's a direct quote that I got from Morbidology. Hmm. Um, so basically, she believed that becoming Rachel, she would be happy. She was um, diagnosed with, quote, a deeply entrenched personality disorder. Ah, you think? And a um, another psychiatrist, D- uh, Justine Barry Walsh, stated that Caroline was profoundly disturbed but not legally insane at the time of the murder. There we go. Um, this is another quote from MamaMia.com. According to court documents, the judge presiding over the case, Judge Vincent, told Caroline at the sentencing hearing that Rachel was, quote, vulnerable to such an approach as you were, no- as you were known to her as a family friend and one-time babysitter whose motives she would never have suspected. Indeed, what normal young person would have contemplated the terrible existence of such a chilling design or that she would or that she would be the subject of such hatred? Mm-hmm. I have no doubt that you appreciated that the combination of a slightly adventurous but harmless secret secrecy and the prospect of obtaining what she referred to as a heap of money that would enable her to purchase some shoes that that took her fancy would have been very attractive to a person of her age and apparent apparent temperament. For my part, I find the deliberation and malevolence with which, with which you acted extremely disturbing. Damn. Yeah. Um, on November 29th of 2000, mm-hmm. the sentencing hearing, she had changed her appearance. While oh in prison. no. She looked like Rachel. She was very thin and had straight blonde hair and looked nothing like she had when she went in. Rachel's mother even commented, there is a Rachel likeness there, the eyes. Oh no. At this hearing, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Good. With a non-parole period of 14 and a half years. So she had to serve at least 14 and a half years. Uh, should be longer. During this time, <laughs> Elizabeth Barber, um, in 2002, re- released a book that was entitled Perfect Victim. And it was about her daughter's murder. And this was later um, made into a film in 2009 oh. called In Her Skin. Um, it has it. some pretty like famous people in it. Um, I can't. Guy Pierce. Okay. Guy Pierce is in it. Um, there's another woman that I know, and I like knew her from something else, and I was like, oh, I know her. But I watched the trailer. It looks good, and I've I've heard that this book is good. One of my sources, I obviously couldn't read it in time, but one of my sources used it heavily. Mm-hmm. So thank you to them. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you because I didn't have time to read it. Um, 
Unfortunately, Caroline came up for parole in August um, of 2013, August 10th of 2013 to be exact. The Barbers fought tooth and nail to keep Caroline in prison. Yeah. Um, they like basically had a public outcry. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted her to serve at least 18 years. I don't blame them. Um, Elizabeth Barber even wrote a letter to David Proven, the parole board general manager, asking um, for her parole request to be denied. Mm-hmm. Former inmates that had served time with Caroline stated that while in prison, she compulsively lied and even claimed that Manny was her boyfriend and not Rachel's. Oh, my. Um, she allegedly never ex- expressed any remorse, even while in prison. Yeah. And the judge had even noticed this during the case, saying that she only seemed to have remorse um, for herself and for getting caught. Um, but unfortunately, in November of 2014, the parole board announced that Caroline would be released. How, how did they get that decision? Of all that that was presented to them. She was released on parole on January 21st of 2015 from Dame Phyllis Frost Prison in her mid-30s. Um, she had to be very strictly monitored until 2020. She couldn't break any law. She had to obey all of her reporting conditions. Mm-hmm. And she had to notify her parole officer of any changes to her address. Um... Rachel's parents supported the decision after hearing that uh, about such strict monitoring of her. Yeah, I guess. Um, but that was up in 2020. Um, and when she left, just like fun little, <laughs> a fun little sprinkle, little last thing here. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm not gonna like this. <laughs> in a long, uh, when she left prison, mm-hmm. she was in a long-term relationship with an armed robber she had met, named Annette Chubbs Taylor. That, my friends, is the very... Do you get what I mean? But, like, by, like, Daniel LaPlante, he got, like, obsessed with the girls. Mm-hmm. He was, like, living in their house. Mm-hmm. Like, this girl got obsessed with Rachel. Literally obsessed. But, like, her parents are, like... They, like, worked really hard to get that legislation put in. And they did the book. And, like, you know... Yeah. They, they searched for that kid. And it sucks that they didn't believe them, which I, I, I mean, that just breaks my heart. I say it, it definitely breaks. I mean, my it heart. obviously wouldn't have changed. I anything. was going to say, Rachel was dead. The outcome probably would have been the same, but they would have gotten answers sooner. I mean, it wasn't very difficult for them to get the answers. True. She wasn't very smart. She literally just confessed. They like walked into her hospital room and she was like, yep, I did it. She basically thought what was going to happen. I read another I read another article that said she claimed it was an accident. Um, I accidentally drugged her pizza and then strangled her with a phone card. Don't know how that happened. She must have tripped. And it's all in my diary <laughs> about how I'm planning to do this. <laughs> like, I don't know how she thought she wasn't going to get caught. Seriously, you she quite literally documented everything she fucking did and thought. Yeah. 
I mean, she had a, it seems like a terrible home life, obviously undiagnosed depression, personality mm-hmm. disorder, all sorts of things, but still not an excuse for murder. Still not an excuse to fucking murder somebody. And such like a promising talent. She already like performed at like a bunch of big places in Australia and was like, looked like she was on the fast track. Oh, that's so sad. To becoming a, a pretty, prof- up to becoming a professional dancer. And out of jail like he literally says it he's like she like how would she have known that you had such hatred for her yeah like could could you imagine that somebody that you haven't seen in years a person that was your babysitter and considered a family friend to find out that all that time they've been harboring that hatred for you she didn't even know she was sleeping she like she like choked her while she was asleep Mm -hmm. she didn't even have a chance to fight back yep just really sad here you go (laughs) hey major bummer how's it going hey (laughs) hey, major bummer (laughs) you coming uh right out the gate here but i just thought that like the more i looked into this case like the more fucked up it got yeah i literally like read through some of like some court documents and stuff that I found on one of the things. Like, oh, man. This poor girl. She just did not deserve any of this. No. And she did not get enough time in prison, in my opinion. No, I don't And it didn't did really either. seem like she was rehabilitated. No. It just seems like they were like, no, she's good. Let her go. So. Like, why? Y- y- to let somebody out of prison, but then have to monitor them so closely... They, like, literally can't breathe without somebody being next to them. At that point, why would you let them out? What is the purpose of that to me? When you heard from former inmates that she was still compulsively lying and saying that Manny, Manny, like, yeah, was was her boyfriend. Like, she's still obsessed about this. It's over. We know you murdered her. Yep. And she's still. And you're still obsessed with her life. Yep. It's over. Her life's over. Like, why are you still talking about because this? Because of you, too. Like, yeah. you fucking did this. It's awful. It was fucked. It's very sad, and I feel bad for her family. Yeah. They got justice, though. I'm glad, I'm glad they at least got justice. And they figured out what happened. And I'm that's glad the that... the very, very little thing that can happen. That and is... I'm glad that some litigation was made to... Or, I mean, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm glad some steps were made to fix the problem within the local yeah. PD... And get the cases like like theirs solved. So, you know, there's just a little bit more. A little bit more attention, attention paid. Attention paid to it. Because, like, that sucks. Like, especially when you go to them and you're like, this is uncharacteristic of my kid. She's under the house. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. My logic has never been, oh, shit, my kid's gone. They must be under the house. I'm sorry. Last I checked, my kid isn't a fucking runaway dog. They're not hiding under the porch. It's a human being that was going to some secretive job that she wouldn't even tell her own boyfriend about. And and they're telling us if she's a runaway. Fuck you. And when they question Manny... And they were like, oh, maybe she got pregnant and she ran away. Or like, you impregnated her. And then when she told you, you killed her. Like, her family was like, no. First of all, no. Yeah. But second of all, if that had happened, she lived in such a family environment that she 
would have felt comfortable to tell us and we would have dealt with it as a family. Yeah. Like, that's how we were. She had no reason to run away. She, she would have not. And, like, the fact that they're, like, there's not even evidence that she's run away before. It's yeah. not like, they're just like, oh, you know, this 15-year-old girl who's a promising dancer has say, a boyfriend has, here. She's got, she's got a fucking life built around her. And they're like, oh, she ran away. She ran away and hid under the house. Like, what? I'm sorry. What about this? Besides the fact that she's gone makes you think she's run away. It's just that they were like listening to the listening to the statistics, listening to the statistics and not listening, which sucks because it's like, listen to the family. If the the family knows them better than you. That is the that is the case in so many different crimes like that where people go missing and they're like, this is not who they are. If they had left, they would have called me. They would have said something. They would have left a note. They would have. I don't know. I just remember the Johnny Atlinger case in Canada. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. Bringing it back to Canada. <laughs> um, when his friends were like, "This is uncharacteristic of him," and the police were like, "Ah, oh, yeah, no," and they like broke into his house. <laughs> yeah. They were like, "Fine, you're not doing it. We're doing we're it. We're gonna do it." And they were like, "His passport is here, you dinks!" Like, <laughs> you dinks. He can't go to the like Bahamas or whatever the fuck he was. I can't remember. He claimed he was. Yeah, wasn't like everything in the house. Yeah, his like, like his, his suitcase his was suitcase there. His suitcase and like everything like, was and, there. And they're like, "You fucking dinks! What the hell?" Like, <laughs> try telling me he left the country now, you idiots. Yeah, like if the family comes to you and says, "This is not normal. Please yeah. help me." I feel like you should believe them, like or just take them a little bit more seriously. Yeah, like I understand you don't know this person, but a family comes. And you have to be objective to a yeah. certain degree. But, like, they come to you and you're like, this girl is 15. Uh-huh. Has a steady boyfriend here. Has a steady boyfriend, goes to a very exclusive high school, is taking dance classes, has this big dream. She wants to be a classical ballet dancer. She has a future lined up. She loves her family. She loves her friends. She's Why would she socialized. just up and leave? She, she would never just up and leave. That doesn't make any sense. They're too close-knit of a family for them to not know if something was wrong. That like it, That's it what just... bothers me is, like, sometimes, like, families being, like, something is wrong is just not valued. Because, like, I feel like a family can be so helpful in those situations being, like, something is wrong. I know something is wrong. Well, it's just, like, it's... Uh, it's like my mom doesn't call me or something for, like, a day. And I'm, like, where's my fucking mom? Literally. Courtney, have you heard from mom? Like, you uh, know, I'm calling, like, a million people trying to get a hold of her. Literally me. If I text either one of my parents and I don't get a response within like four-ish hours, mm-hmm. I will text like, I'll text my sister and be like, have you heard from mom and dad? Do you know what they're doing today? I haven't gotten a response from mom. It's really weird. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I mean, sometimes she'll, my mom will eventually text me and be like, yeah, I was at the doctor's office. Or like, I was here. But like, I know, I know my parents and I know if I call, no matter what they're doing, they're going to answer me in one way or another. Right. Like right, within exactly. a certain time frame. That it's like, if that didn't happen, I'd be immediately concerned and be like, I'm fucking on my way home. Yeah. Like, where are you? Like, and it's just, it's, it's the simple things. When you spend that much time with people, you learn to pick up on that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like you and me, when we text each other, we know the different tones of our text messages. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the times that when we text each other and the other one's not feeling well. And we know because we don't get really, we don't get like responses. We just get like a little thumbs up on the message. <laughs> 
we like don't actually respond that was me we don't put any punctuation and we're just like yep thumbs I'm, up i'm seeing what you're what like you're sending me yeah like I've i want to acknowledge that i've seen it but <laughs> i am not going to answer exactly <laughs> and it's like that and that alone right there is enough to tell us like okay yeah macy's not feeling well like yeah like or okay she's busy yeah or like like i'll only usually do that if i'm like busy i was gonna say asleep if or i'm not feeling good. i was gonna say 90 percent of the time i'm busy i'm in a bad mood and i don't want to take it out on you or i'm like <laughs> i'm like in the middle of running around like a chicken with my head cut off like uh, it's yeah it's just like you learn that when you spend that much time and like these are her parents you should trust them yeah and it's just like a, a complete lack of trust and a complete like only like only thinking that the like facts like what normally happens yeah. is like the truth in every situation. And it's like, yeah, this was definitely an outlier. There's probably a lot of runaway kids, but come on, read the room. Yeah. Like look at this kid's like track record. Talk to her teachers. Like they weren't even doing anything. They which just is what like, killed me. They it's kept like, just like saying they were going to do something and not doing it. And they're not doing it. And then like, I mean, like we said, it obviously wouldn't have changed the outcome. No. Caroline wanted her dead. But, like... It could have closed the case it, faster. Yeah, it could have, like... It could have brought in justice like faster. Like, days and days of her parents, like, driving around looking for her. And, like, like all of that her stress. Family. I just... Like, it could have oh. just been off their shoulders, like, within a couple of days. And mm-hmm. then it's, it's still... And, like, it took... It took them weeks to even find out anything. Yep. Anything. Like, it, they weren't even com- communicated with. Anyway... So there that is. I could rant about that for hours. <laughs> I, I know, I know. That was what really bothered that's me. I was like, like and, and I, that is, that's a lot, that's that's the circumstance in a lot of cases like that. They go to police and they're like, this isn't like them. And the police are like, oh, come back to us in 48 hours or something. Yeah, like, no, we don't, they're, they're an adult. It's whatever. Come back to us at this point. And it's just like, you know, y- you guys stress the fact that the first 48 hours are the most important that is normally the time frame when somebody that's been either kidnapped or taken, like, you know, that's, like, their window. And that's a statistic as well. Right, so right. So it's like, why do I have to wait to report this person missing? I'm telling you something's wrong. Why don't you trust me? Right, right. And it's like, how, how, like, that would make me lose all my faith in the police force. If that happened to me, I, I mean, I already have trust issues with police force, with the police force. So it's like... I mean, I think anybody who lives in this day and age has true <laughs> has uh, has some of the trust issues has there. Some uh, trust issues there. <laughs> but yeah, since you know, I've seen some fucking fucked up things with all of the like yeah riots and everything going on in this world right now. It's just a mess. Just living as a millennial, going through you know. Going through, going through like a million major world crises. Going, going through, going through our yearly crises. <laughs> COVID. Because at this point, COVID it's just fucking two, yearly. World War Three. Like, God. Oh my God. Fucking terrible. Anyway. Yay! Being alive is wonderful. Anyway. <laughs> okay, Nicole. Where can they find us? <laughs> All right. Listeners, if you would like to get a little bit more of us, most importantly, we are on Patreon.com. Patrons. Go to Patreon.com slash Buzzkillers Podcast. Buzzkillers Podcast. And you sign up and you pay either one or two dollars a month or more if you choose so. But those are our planned out tiers. Um, and you get certain 
bonus content and little perks here and there that help us in turn raise money to better this podcast for you. Yes, I want to make you merch. <laughs> I just don't have money to make you merch. I want a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> My sweatshirt has bleach stains on I it. I know. Mine's like, oh, I like cut it in the middle because it was like too, it was like too I close did too. to my neck. But I cut it fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so Mine, that's weird. I'm still trying to figure out because I've A, never used bleach in my washer and dryer. Like I bought them brand new and I've never used bleach and I don't, I don't clean in sweatshirts because I get so hot. I literally have like splattered bleach stain on the front of it. I was like, what the fuck? Did, what happened? Was it here? Maybe I, I use bleach. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea what but I did. But it wouldn't have splattered on you. That's no, weird. it's really weird. But huh? yeah, we want to make merch, guys. <laughs> we want to make Major Bummer into a shirt. I want Major Bummer. I want to make exist. Mooncat and Buzz Lemon into a shirt. Oh, my God. Yes. I love that. I want a shirt that just says huzzah with like two clinking wine glasses. Um, <laughs> me. Huzzah. huzzah. That <laughs> we can be like that is not huzzah. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so yes, Patreon, um, is a subscription. You pay for it. We're cheap dates though, and all the money goes towards making you. this better for your earballs. <laughs> what she just sang. <laughs> um, <laughs> We are also all over social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Buzzkillers Podcast. Buzzkillers Podcast. We are on Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. Buzzkillers Pod. If you go over to YouTube and go into your little search bar there up on the top of the screen, you can just type in Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. And we should pop right up and you just hit that subscribe button. The more subscribers we get, the closer we get to being able to customize our URL so you can find us easier and not have to search for us. Thank you for liking and subscribing. (laughs) From Ryan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you have to say it. Like, okay, (laughs) we'll say it. Um, if you would like to listen to us, we are all over the place more than you're already listening to us. Cause at least you found us at this point. If you're listening right now, you found us Stay somehow. Where you are. <laughs> but if you'd like to listen to us anywhere else, we yeah, are. Yeah. Like if you decide you don't like the platform you're on and want to know if we're on another one. We are. <laughs> <laughs> we are on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Amazon music slash audible. We are on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and our very wonderful host, Platypus, Podbean. We love Podbean. Podbean's great. Shout out. Not an ad. Thank you to everyone Podbean. who's followed us on Podbean. Yeah, we do have a lot of followers on Podbean. I don't know how that happened. Thank you. <laughs> we like it, though. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. Um, But. Oh, website. Oh, yes. We have our. <laughs> I always forget that. Did I put, like, a lot of alcohol in this? I it's think, like a shot. dude, I think you did because I am not okay right now. Um, <laughs> there was a solid point where you were talking and I was like, I am not tired, but I've had a lot to drink and I'm having a hard time focusing. <laughs> I like, was like staring, you know, I was like no, blinking weirdly. I'm so and like, sorry. <laughs> oh, don't, don't apologize. It was good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yay. But it, we have our very own website, buzzkillerspodcast.com. Um, if you would like to hand, uh, head over there, there is a entire page, a entire, the ha ha grammar, 
an entire page dedicated to learning about Macy and myself. There's some cute little pictures of us. There's some fun little facts. Um, you can check out all of the wines that we drink on the podcast. You can even... Um, you can listen. You can listen. If yeah. you so choose, there is a little place there, to listen there. Yep, you can listen on our website. Um, and most importantly, we have a little handy dandy contact page. Woohoo! And you can head over there, fill out the little form, and hit the submit button, and it will shoot a message directly into our email. Um, and it is the best way to contact us. Yes. We are on social media a lot, but they're so busy, and there's so many of them that we don't really... We don't get to it as fast. If you want to get to us, like, immediately shoot us an email. We get that notification right away. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or if you don't want to use the website and the contact form, you can email us directly at buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. Buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> um, and just shoot us anything. You can just send us some love. You can shoot us monthly topic um ideas you can shoot us cases you'd like us to cover yep you can corrections if we need them nicely nicely be nice be nice or hit and block um <laughs> oh my God. they they made that button for a reason <laughs> <laughs> i don't gotta deal with your bullshit <laughs> please be nice i love you guys <laughs> they're going oh dear god take the alcohol away from nicole <laughs> i drank it all already <laughs> anyway <laughs> <laughs> um or if you'd like you can shoot us your very own stories if you have a true crime related story a ghosty story anything anything you find interesting we will read it and we'll appreciate it we want to hear it we do so fun. shoot that over to us and yeah yeah is that it that's it i think that's it <laughs> <sighs> we'll be back though next week. Yes, with another Australian true crime. With some more crime from down under. Yeah, that's all smart. Crime from down. That's what I should have called it. Oh, we should have just called. <sighs> next Shit. time. Next time. Because yeah. you know we're coming back to Australia at some point. Next time. Okay. 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 So you know how um, Canadians say a. Yeah. I'm gonna. Next time I'm gonna be like a. It's true crime. <laughs> <laughs> and then this one I'll be like true crime. It's true crime, under. eh? It's true crime, eh? <laughs> and then this the one next this one will be like, um, they say mate, right? True crime, mate. <laughs> Spider, I'll put a little koala in the corner. Spiders, kangaroos, and put some true crime, eh, mate? <laughs> true crime, true crime, mate. <laughs> I hope I do a good job about that. I'm not trying to like be offensive. I just like, I just think that accents are so cool because we don't have them. I know, but I guess we do have an American accent. I was gonna say everybody, everybody listening to this from not America is going. You sound pretty fucking stupid to me, so I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Sorry. 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 <laughs> We're American. We just sound dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Anyway, guys, we'll be back next week with Nicole's episode. Oh yeah. Um, and stay tuned all month if you want to hear some more crime from down under. Okay. We love you. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by BK Creations, LLC.